Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Hi, I'm Paul Listick, and welcome to Behind the Curtain. Oh, what a voice. What notes. Isn't that amazing? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Paul Lesnick Behind the Curtain. Yes, the guy from WGN-TV who talks about politics all the time gets to talk about theater. Uh, a strong passion of mine, as many of you know, here on the podcast. And today, my guest is the woman behind that voice, Caroline Bowman, who is Elsa in Broadway in Chicago's production, or I should say in Chicago, in the uh, production of Disney's Frozen. How amazing it is. It's playing over at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Caroline, thank you for joining me. You blew me away on opening night when I saw the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> thank you for having me. And Yeah. And you're, and of course, just Jenna, just the shows that you've done in your past, and Avita and Kiki Boots, and uh, Fame and Greece, and it, it's just such a great run. But the first thing I have to do is just make sure that as you're traveling and having a good time, um, that your puppy Kodak is doing well on the trip. Oh my gosh, the love of our lives! Um, yes, Kodak is doing great. It takes him a little bit of time to get adjusted to new cities, like one or two days, but it's all part of the journey, and he's, um, he, he gets very spoiled. We, we, we spoil him, and it, we wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> you realize if you could just get cast in Annie, Kodak could be in the show, and you wouldn't have to worry about all this other stuff. <laughs> right, right, except, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how well. He might get a little distracted because he tends to um, <laughs> sing with me when I sing. So he might try to overshadow Annie and Miss Hannigan and all the characters. So I don't, he, he would try to be the star <laughs> for sure. I, it, well, listen, and, and I'm all about dogs as stars, so I'm good with that. And you also get the chance to perform. I thought this was great. Austin Colby, again, an old on uh, opening night. Um, your husband plays Hans. Um, was that part of the deal or was it just great coincidence that you both got cast in this same show? Yeah, no, we, we both went in for the show separately and we were both getting callbacks after callbacks and uh, we both were having these, you know, we were fantasizing. We were like, oh my gosh, what if we got this together and we got to go on the road together? And But um, truly, we we booked the show separately and then ended up, you know, <laughs> working, it all worked out. Um, so no, it wasn't, it wasn't a package deal, but we um, ended up <laughs> making it work as a package deal. So yeah, it's, it's a dream well, come true. And just he's, so, he's pretty just remarkable so in the show. <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely he is. Well, the cast is remarkable. It is, and I always tell people, you know, some people, I don't know, people, it's Disney, it's Frozen, they think, okay, I've got to have, bring the kids, and if I don't have kids, I don't want to see the show. I gotta tell you, I've been encouraging everybody I know to go see it. You just don't have to be a kid for this show. The music, the performance, the story, it, it, it's, it's, it's family fair, you know, entertainment that adults enjoy as much as kids. I'm sure you agree. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because it's true. I, and also there's, we it's very actually deep storytelling and um kind of storytelling that maybe goes over the kids heads like we kind of we go deeper into these two sisters story and you know the trauma they've been through and um you know there's there's some darkness in there that i feel like adults actually appreciate more than the kids <laughs> so um well, can, yeah, fact, let me ask really, you can I you like give it. just a very Give a give a very brief summary. You know, not every people should know. Everybody knows the song <laughs> "Let It Go," but some people might say, "I don't." I actually never. I never saw the movie. I don't know. So, give us a brief summary of what the plot of Frozen is. Yeah, so Frozen is about um, basically these two sisters' journey, um, and they uh, one of them has magical powers that <laughs> create ice, and she is told to um, conceal it, not feel it, and and hide this. Um, thing about herself that is a huge part of her and ultimately that you know hiding something that's so big in your life never never works out so well so it comes exploding out of her and people are very fearful everybody but her sister and so basically her sister goes on this journey to try to find her other sister and ultimately at the end of the story their love is the most powerful thing of all and that's the you know the whole um journey is finding each other and and realizing that they are powerful together and um yeah so essentially that's in that's the story in um in a very short amount of time but then there's also really fun things like there's a talking snowman and um there's a love story in there with uh, a prince and and then yeah so there's 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 a little bit of every um uh, there's a lot of stuff for just about everyone <laughs> in our show. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no question. But of course, when you say the snowman, that's Olaf, also very as famous as Elsa, I suppose, because people love that character. But I got to tell you, the actress who plays Anna, and I hope I say her name right, because you're Caroline. I don't know if she's Caroline mm-hmm. or Carolyn, but, um, but, but Carolyn Innerbickler, absolutely amazing. Along with you, she's fantastic. Yeah, she is also. She's also Caroline. We're we are a double Caroline. Um, yeah, Caroline Innerbickler. Uh, she is, she's a perfect Anna and I love being her sister and the way she tells this story and she's so spunky, but like has so much heart and charm and, uh, it's just, she's really incredible. And I, we, we really love each other. So it's really easy to fall in love with her every night. <laughs> And this might make me sound a little weird, but I actually developed a very quick crush in the show on somebody in that show. Um, I was going to try and have him on with you, um, but he doesn't have any lines in the show. I can't be alone in developing this crush. Do you know which character I'm talking about that I'm just in love with? I believe you're talking about Sven. I totally am. I love Sven the Moose. I know he is um he's actually a reindeer and which is similar to a moose <laughs> but right. I what do I know him. they're all cute they're all cute and you know what I fall in love with him too I 
he makes me cry. I look at him and I also see Kodak, you know, just it's amazing. And that's, that is one person inside of Sven basically in a plank the entire show there. I mean, the men who play Sven are like muscles galore and they work so hard and he, I just, I love the way Sven is played. There's so much heart and character. If you, like, come see the show, I know it's hard because there's so much to look at. There's so much spectacle, and every cast member is so amazing. But just watching Sven is, like, a story in itself. And they tell it so beautifully. And then I get to have some moments with Sven, like, little tiny. Just, like, looking into Sven's eyes makes my heart melt. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've got to tell you, and I don't care that I'm 60. I went out to the counter afterwards. I'm like, how much is the Sven doll? Because I, I, <laughs> I got to check this out. And and I, you answered one of the questions because I know he's he's played by two different people at various performances, um, Colin and Evan. But it is just one person because as I watched it, I thought, I, I don't see how one person is doing this. I know. So, yeah, they they train on stilts. So their hands are on stilts and their and their feet are on these like diagonal stilts. Um, and so they have to train their body to be in that position and then have all this heavy stuff on top of them. Um, it's, and then they have to act with their fingertips. So they're, you know, blinking the eyes and moving the ears and, um, there's all kinds of video and stuff of them doing, um, revealing that magic. That is, that is a part of the Disney magic that, that we are allowed to reveal is, um, and it's just incredible what they do. I, I can't get over it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's marry Sven. Um, you know, wh- one of the things I think is also, you just mentioned Disney magic and, and it is so true because look, when we see a Disney movie, uh, it's pretty easy to see so much of the magic that can created by CG or animation or however they do those things. But in frozen in that scene where essentially Elsa freezes the world up, um, you know, in the movie, of course, I guess easy enough to do technically. Um, but, it happens on stage, and at least on opening night, I'm guessing this happens every night, a huge round of applause from the audience when that moment happens, and we don't, it's not on film, we see it on stage, and everything ices up. That's Disney magic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we we have the, the best of the best worked on this show. I mean, we have the best lighting designers, the best costume designers. I mean, they're all top-notch, and so they they figured out how to use light and set changes and uh, to make the stage um, essentially freeze. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to be on stage. I can't like, I, you know, I don't get to watch it every night. So it's, um, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool what they do with the lighting and everything. And, and you're here till January 22nd, so you, you spend the holidays here in Chicago. It'll probably be, you never know, it could be cold, you could get snow, and it could be 80. Who knows in this city? Um, <laughs> but, I mean, do you, but, and you do have Kodak, you have your husband. I mean, so is this kind of a good thing? A lot of people say, I miss my family, I want to go home, whatever, but you got your family with you. So I imagine spending the holidays in Chicago and being on the road, it, it works for you guys. Oh, my gosh. I'm so we're so happy to be in Chicago for the holidays. It just feels like a a good city to be in for Christmas. Everything's decorated. And, um, you know, we uh, during the last year and a half, we got to spend a lot of time with at least my parents because we had to move back in with them during the pandemic. Yeah. So I'm. We're we're lucky to have each other on the road. We do miss our families and, um, you know, not being able to be with our little nieces and nephews and stuff like that. But um, 
we 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 count our blessings that we get to have each other and um, spend those holidays here. So and, and really you awesome. have to feel. You know, I mean, we've been going back to theater now for just a little bit, but I still feel every time I'm in there and I'm, you know, I'm sitting in my mask, I'm doing what I got to do. It's just so wonderful to be back. And I imagine the cast feels that when you look out, you see the audience, they go nuts for you. You do let it go, man. Place just the roof, the roof's off the house. You have to just go. We're back. Yeah, it feels I, I don't take any day for granted. And I, I feel so grateful to be playing this part right now and doing the show and we all feel like that i feel like this entire cast goes out on stage and is ready to give a really solid performance every day and then yes i do feel the energy from the audience and i know what it takes to have to go to the theater these days and so it's really people that want to be there and that means so much that means so much to me and i know it means so much to our cast and the entire theater community so we're it's we definitely are are super grateful. And before I let you go, I have to say, have you gone to the Chris Kindle market? I mean, there's so many things to do here at holiday time, and I know you at least get Mondays off. I hope you're exploring a little bit. And do you have any favorite places that you hang around and say, "Here's where I'm spending more time"? Yeah, I did. I actually took Kodak to the uh, Christmas market, <laughs> um, and I was like, "Are dogs allowed in here?" And they are. So I walked him around and. Um, it's so, I love it. I, I just, I love even just walking around the city right now is, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it is. And I hope you, and of course you're getting your share of pizza and all the things you're not supposed to eat, but it's Chicago. So you realize you have to, including probably the Garrett's caramel corn, cheese, corn mix. I sent my entire family Garrett's popcorn for Christmas <laughs> because I had some and I couldn't stop eating it. So I was like, wow, I'm going to include my family on this addiction. <laughs> Well, you just might want to move here. Well, Caroline Bowman, Frozen is so fantastic. I, I should say Disney's Frozen. Um, it is playing at the Cadillac Palace Theater through January 22nd. I, there's no extensions that I know of coming, so you better get your tickets soon. And the holiday time is such a great time um, to see it. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. I'm going to keep my eye. I'll walk around the Chris Kindle marketers. I'm just going to be looking for Kodak. And when I see Kodak, <laughs> I know that means I'll find you. And that's what's so important. <laughs> Thank you for your time. And I just continue to break a leg and have a blast in Chicago, because this is one heck of a theater town. You know that. Oh, thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. We're going to go out with the finale from Disney's Frozen. So we get to hear you, but we get to hear your colleagues as well, um, including your husband. And so thank you for being with me. Once again, Disney's Frozen through January 22nd, Cadillac Palace Theater. Tickets at BroadwayInChicago.com. Don't miss it. Caroline Bowman, you are one of the best. I, I just got to say, I'm going to say this up front. When I you know, heard Idina Menzel sing it, whatever, I thought, there's nobody else who can just do this. And I knew somebody would have to be able to do it. And I probably shouldn't say this. I kind of think you blow everybody away, and I love Idina Menzel, but truthfully, you just blow everybody in this role away. You're amazing. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. Here we go. The finale from Disney's Frozen.
West. You know, they split up in my generation because, because ladies didn't know that guys were different. I mean, different. It was very tough for chicks to realize that although we speak the same language, you're different. I mean, you could have babies, you know, it's so different. It's like, it's like, it's like ladies are one emotion. And guys detach. I mean, we don't consciously detach, you know, but we just we just do detach. You know what I'm it's like it's like a lady can't go through a plate glass window and go to bed with you five seconds later. Maybe. You. But guys can have head-on collisions with Greyhound buses in disaster areas, everybody's laying dead on the highway. And on the way to the hospital, in the ambulance, the guy makes a play for the nurse. <laughs> How can he do a thing at a time like that? I got money. I love that. That is a scene from a show called I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. It is provocative. It is controversial because Lenny Bruce was provocative and and, uh, absolutely controversial. Joining me is the playwright and the actor in that one-man show of I'm Not a Comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce playing over at the Venus Cabaret at Mercury Theater. We talked to him before the last time he was around before COVID got in the way. Ronnie Marmo. Ronnie, welcome back to Behind the Curtain. You are back. Lenny Bruce is back. Thank you, Paul. I love it. Thank you for having me. So you were, you know, so successful over at a, a, a theater that's gone now, um, over at the Royal George, and now here you are at the Venus Cabaret at, at Mercury Theater. I was at your opening the first time around, opening this time around. This is a bit of a different experience for me as an audience member. The, 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 the space, although both were intimate, this seems even more intimate to me. You've changed some staging. Talk about for the people who even saw the show before, why they ought to come back. What's going to be different? And while you're doing it, tell us about the plot of the show. Well, it's thank you for saying that, Paul. I'm so glad you saw it both times. You know, it's it's interesting. I I changed some of the material. That's the thing about you know being the playwright and also sitting home for 18 months. I uh, I tend to tinker a little bit and see you know what I want to update and evolve. So I did that. I changed some of the material. It's certainly in some ways funnier. Uh, so there's that. But then also I went into a much more intimate space that is not a traditional theater. It's a cabaret space, which I feel like Lenny would have played in. And, you know, the people at the Venus were very nice. They let me build my own stage and literally rearrange the entire room. And so I rearranged the room to how I saw this play working out. And they went along for the ride. And so when you come, you literally are in the room and you're with Lenny Bruce. I mean, it's really, uh, well, you saw it. It's, it's yeah. much more intimate. I agree. Just amazing. And, of course, for for folks who aren't familiar with I mean, you do probably have to be either of a certain generation or at least you need to know the, a bit of the history of comedy. Lenny Bruce has influenced so many from Joan Rivers, Eddie Murphy. I could go on forever for all the folks. he. And, by the way, at the end of the show, you kind of flash on the screen some of the people that uh, Richard Pryor, the people uh, he influenced, uh, uh, George Carlin. Talk about who Lenny Bruce was and why was he so kind. I mean, you call the show I'm not a comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce, but people would say, but well, he was a comedian. Yeah, no, he was so much more than that. I mean, this is the guy who was the first guy to 
get on stage and not have a set routine. I mean, he had a few set bits, but for the most part, he was just like, just riffing like he was in his living room. You know, like he would, he'd be the guy who'd come up and go, you know, I want to tell you about what happened at the store, what my wife. So people are like, oh my goodness, you're, you know. In other words, he would tell the truth. But beyond that, he held a mirror up to society. I mean, he was the guy who said, yeah, but why? Yeah, but why? Let's talk about this. And he was really, you know, he was the ultimate hipster. He was a satirist. He was uh, a poet. He was so many things. Uh, and so we, we owe a debt of gratitude to Lenny. And on the surface, the comics do. But really, it's so much more than that. He fought freedom of speech all the way to the Supreme Court. And he lost and got sentenced in this country to four months in, on Rikers Island just for his words. And so the idea that that happened in 1966... Is shocking, you know. Yeah, and, and it was from the 60s. What's really interesting, too, is, you know, some might think, oh, all these troubles must have happened, you know, when he was in Oklahoma or something like that. The reality of it is part of this very true story happened right here in Chicago where he was, well, where he was arrested. Yeah, he got arrested at the Gate of Horn, which is across the street from what you know now as Gibson's, which used to be Mr. Kelly's back in the 60s. And uh, he got arrested for doing a bit called Religions Incorporated, and there wasn't one dirty word, uh, as it were. He offended a, re- a Catholic cop uh, because it was a very funny bit. He had the Pope Jewish, and he had, a, you know, the whole thing. And uh, he got arrested for doing this bit uh, because people... You know, people talk about sense of humor, which, by the way, we're dealing with that today as well. Uh, A lot of people have uh, forgotten about their sense of humor. And so that's what happened. And Chicago is a humongous part of Lenny's story. And uh, I'm so happy to be bringing the show here, bringing it back here and uh, being able to, you know, bring a piece of history back to this city. So. You know, you've probably seen this. CNN has run a comedy series. They've been repeating it about the history of comedy, and they have a whole section on Lenny Bruce. So because of you, I, I kind of went back and watched that again. He talked about the very scene you're talking about, and he, and he, and he, you know, about how it got him in trouble. And he referred to the fact that when he takes his microphone and he, he does what so many comedians, they do this bit when they play the Pope and they, they kind of toss the microphone out towards the audience like they're blessing him, you know, putting holy water on him. And he said that back then the cops decided what he was doing was, we're on radio, gotta be careful here, but you know, was, was, uh, something inappropriate was something sexual in nature which it was not it was like they were trying to get after him they sat there and took notes on everything he said they wanted to get him oh yeah they hounded him you're absolutely right they hounded this man and you know phil Spector, who you know i don't know how valuable his quote would be right now but he had a great quote back then he said lenny bruce died of an overdose of the police uh because they just hounded him because he was so smart and they he was the scapegoat. He was the guy, you know, whenever there's a, a massive amount of change, somebody has to pay that price uh, or sometimes multiple people. But Lenny Bruce paid the price for the, you know, the George Carlin's, the Priors, all the way down to the Chris Rocks, the Chappelle's, uh, Bill Burr, you know, all these people. Bill Maher said, uh, Lenny Bruce planted the trees and I got the shade, you know. <laughs> He planted the seeds and I got the shade. I mean, that's, that's who this guy was. So, you know, th- th- this is what happens so- sometimes to someone who, you know, is ahead of his time. And Lenny certainly was. Do you, by the way, we'll have to have a drink one night. I was on uh, Phil Spector's defense team. So that, that's something we can chat about at some point. Um, <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an funny. interesting Lenny's, story. Lenny's pals back then was Phil Spector and uh, Robert Blake. He hung out with those two guys all the time. He's the only one who didn't shoot somebody. 
Yeah, no, he's the only one who didn't shoot somebody. And it's very easy. I used to have a bit in the show about that. And I decided, ah, it's too schmaltzy. Let me take it out. But there was a bit. <laughs> I it, love it. The, the punchline was maybe my mom always told me maybe I should have chose my friends a little more carefully. You know, something like that. <laughs> I, I love it. I don't know we'll if the reference would be over some people's heads, especially young people. So hey, well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be over mine, says I knew him. But, but anyway, um, <laughs> let me ask you, if, if, if Lenny Bruce was a comedian today, if he was preceded by the Joan Rivers, whatever, and he was modern, which my, my sense is he could weigh with everything he was doing back then. Today, it would all be okay. Well, I would have said that three years ago. You're absolutely correct. Today, it would be interesting uh, based on, you know, the cancel culture and what's going on in the world. So, so yes, I agree with you. Um, I think George Carlin grabbed the baton and ran with it, and then no one else really paid the price after that. I mean, you get certain people, the Howard Stearns of the world, who are radio jocks, they, they even claim they own owe a debt of gratitude to, to Lenny. But yes, he, his material today would feel mainstream and, you know, I don't want to say safe, but certainly, you know, he would just be in line with what many people are doing, holding a mirror up to society. That's what comedy was always great for from between Lenny's time until just a few years ago before cancel culture. It was, it was such an important tool in society to have comedy, to hold a mirror up to laugh at those things. And now, and now I think over the last few years, maybe that has kind of gone away, but you know, and I think, you know, you, you make such a good point because I want people to understand who have not seen the show, but are going to now, um, if this is not, you're not just doing Lenny Bruce's routine. You don't come out as Lenny Bruce and do Lenny, do Lenny Bruce's routine and off you go. You tell his life story. So yes, you are Lenny Bruce and you tell the story, his life story through his mouth and his words. But at the same time, he had a lot of tragedy in his life. I'm saying that because people might say, well, okay, if his stuff is mainstream, more or less, uh, at least a few years ago, it's okay. Do I need to see it? But you do need to see it because the tragedy in his life, what happened with his wife, just all that he went through. It's a stunning story. Well, thank you, pal. You know, the thing is about this piece is that what I'm really proud of, I'm proud of a lot, but what I'm really proud of is that people, when they hear Lenny's name, those who know of him or kind of vaguely remember him, have a certain kind of stigma about Lenny. Oh, he's a foul mouth comic, whatever. Most projects that have come along over the last 60 years really lean into the bitter, angry, whatever he was at the last moments of his life, and they don't lean into the full story of this human being. And I'm proud that we do do that. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even the Fosse movie for Lenny, I don't think you get to know Lenny Bruce on a level with any other project that you do with this show. And that was my goal. It was like, Hey, why don't you come meet the man as opposed to whatever, whatever concept or idea you may have of him. So thank you for saying that. I really, you know, he was, it was, he had a tragic life and a very funny, he was a very funny person and had a very tragic life. And, uh, I think it's a pretty gripping story myself to tell, you know? Yeah, and we should. So you are the playwright and you are the performer, but we do want to give a tip of the hat here because when when last we talked, which is when you first came to Chicago pre-pandemic and got to open it, we were joined in that conversation by your director, somebody uh, maybe people have heard of, Joe Bantania. Of course, I'm kidding because everybody's heard of Joe Bantania. Oh, oh that um, guy. He's, yeah, that guy. You know, he's trying to work it out. He's new in showbiz. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. uh, whatever happened to him, but but no, so how did you? Shot. Was that he's about a f- talent? He's got he's got some <laughs> talent, but no, that that I, guy, Mister, you know, Chicago. He loves Chicago, and and right back at him, you know. 
Um, oh, right. Well, in, in fact, probably the biggest compliment, he got a great compliment, which he wouldn't take as a compliment from David Chase. If you saw this interview, when David Chase w- was asked, w- wouldn't you cast Joe Montaigne is in The Sopranos here? To which Chase said, oh, no, I would never do that. He's clearly Chicago. And I so no, I need Jersey. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. But talk to me about yeah, how yeah, Mantegna yeah. ends up in this role. Because, yeah, you guys are, I mean, you're friends, whatever. But did you, you know, what came first? Did you write this and always with Joe in mind? Well, yeah, I had been, I, it took me about five years to write. And every couple of months, I'd write a few pages. I'd think about it. And then I would tell Joe, look, I'm writing this thing. And then finally, I got it to a place where now looking back, it was probably 85% ready. And I said, Joe, I'd like you to hear this thing, and why don't you read? He said, well, just do it for me. So I read it for him. He sat in the theater. I literally read what I had, and, and he was excited about it. And the reason I thought Joe was the right guy, because if anyone has spent a moment with Joe, you know he's so talented and he's so smart, but he also is, he has a gentle hand. And I thought it's going to take somebody who is just trying to help me tell this story and have no other uh, expectation of it or, you know, selfish needs or wants. I had another guy on the hook to direct and it was between huh. this other guy. I don't want to say his name, but he's very, very famous and Joe. And I just realized with the other gentleman, it would have just been another credit the guy had with Joe. I understood on a, on a deeper level that Joe was going to take this journey with me as long as it needed to happen. And because I don't feel like I'm doing a play, I feel like I'm doing something for Lenny Bruce on behalf of him and Kitty that maybe I don't, you know, that maybe I get to finish something Lenny wasn't able to express. And so I know that sounds kind of schmaltzy, but that's, that's my truth. And so I knew Joe would be my partner in that, you know, it, it, it is schmaltzy, but it deserves to be schmaltzy. Ronnie Marmo, you're amazing in the show. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. It's at the Venus Cabaret Theater. Great experience in the Mercury Theater, 3745 North Southport. You're here certainly into January, but who knows what happens after that. So don't wait to get tickets and you can get tickets. I assume Lenny Bruce on stage.com is a good place to get tickets, right, Ronnie? That's right, Paul. And by the way, P.S. I haven't told anybody yet, but I've just extended through, uh, first week of February. All right. Well, this is good to know. But see it over the holiday because it's wonderful. Ronnie Marmo, thank you for your time. You're fantastic. I'll come see you again as well. Be well and have great holidays. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, sir. Well, if you want to know more about what we've talked about here, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Paul Lisnick. That's P-A-U-L-L-I-S-N-E-K. And I'd love to hear your comments or topic suggestions for future podcasts. You can also go to my website, paullisnick.tv. And hey, don't forget to hit subscribe on WGN Plus and iTunes. And tune in each week to hear more Insider Scoop coming to you from behind the curtain.